Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Baggies broadcast sponsored by Adoption at Heart. My name is Luke Hatfield. It's season five. It's episode 13. And I'm joined by a man who is costing the ENS an absolute fortune week in, week out. And I'm not talking about his salary, Mr. Joe Massey. Joe, how are you doing? Um, I wish my salary was costing the ENS a fortune week in, week out. I don't. I actually don't know what you're talking about in the banter section. That's gone over my head. What, 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 what do you mean? What banter have you come up with this week? Well, what glorious, hilarious banter are we about to embark on? I, I think it's pretty funny. Oh, uh, okay. I, I mean, you broke your laptop the other day. We talked about <laughs> I that. Did. I did. What else, what else did you break, Joe? Well, people know this already, but yeah, in, in last week I did break my laptop and I drove into a gate. So uh, a company car, you broke a company car. Well, I didn't break a company car, as in like... It, I mean, it wasn't... If you chip a plate, mate, it's broke. Well, I did, to be fair, I did break it because I was too scared to drive. I did set off for the Hawthorns and go to the press <laughs> last Friday in my broken company car. Um, but then my bumper started, well, flapping all over the place, for want of a better expression. <laughs> uh, and I was too scared to carry on driving, so I had to pull over. <laughs> Uh, yeah, not a good week actually. You're right. I am costing the company a fortune. You're right. I mean, they're looking. They're looking at your salary, mate. I, I, I dock it straight out to be honest. Ah, uh, deductions are coming my way, aren't they? The bumper's fixed now. Um, oh, that's good. I could just take it. To the, we got a garage like on site at work, so I could take. They took it. I went and they took it off and put it back on again. Basically, yeah. Um, the problem is that it's um, when I did it, I took the paintwork off in three areas, three sets. So it's like it's on. The door, it's on the bit above the wheel, and the it's wheel on... arch. Yeah, the wheel arch. Is that? Yeah, I think maybe it's called the wheel arch. I, don't, I know nothing about cars, and on like the bonnet bit as well. So like three areas means like three different like. I mean, that's a spectacular job you've done there. Yeah, literally driving off my drive. Yeah. Have you come across any other road gates? <laughs> No, I haven't. No, uh, oh, bad week, mate. Bad week. It was a bad week. You're right. You're right. It was a bad, bad week. I mean, on the plus side, I mean, Valerian Ishmael was very worried at the press conference. He, he 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 mentioned you by name, and I said, no, no, he's fine. I think it's his ego that's hurt more than anything. Well, it's funny because, like, like, because obviously there's. Val's not, not you know say a controversial figure at the moment, but he's dividing opinion, isn't he? Let's say yeah. that his football's dividing opinion. But I always say on this podcast, he is a genuinely lovely bloke, <laughs> and he is such a nice bloke. Like he's so nice. So like, I got because what so what happened was like, yeah, I was on the way to the presser, I couldn't make it, and so I rang you, didn't I? I said I'm not coming. I rang Joe Chapman at the Birmingham Mail, and we had like a little conversation about what needs to be asked and stuff at the press and Joe Chapman bless him absolutely smashed it and asked every it was just him and Val wasn't it basically just sat there um, I was just I was just nothing, nothing but a spectator well that's same every week mate isn't it yeah, true but I normally do a video from there and I didn't do that this week <laughs> you literally just went for the free coffee exactly and I didn't even have it <laughs> I wonder if Val does wonder why you're there every week. I do think this, but now it's got to a point where it's a bit awkward. Like, if I just came in with a question, everyone would be so nonplussed. They'd be like, what is going on? Because he comes in and he shakes your hand. It's just the guy that stays mute every single week. Yeah, he watches me do a video. Um, but I heard the audio because it was sent through. So I could. So basically, like it didn't really matter I wasn't there because everything got covered anyway. Mm. And um, but it wouldn't have been fair on like Joe to tap everything up after I hadn't been there. So the, the audio got sent to me basically. 
Um, and literally, I can just hear the start of the audio, and just everyone is just taking the piss out of me. I can hear, I can say that on this podcast, yeah, can't yeah, I? Yeah, you can say Everyone's that. laughing, and then Val just goes, "Is he okay? Is he okay?" <laughs> and I literally hear Ian Skidmore, the media officer at West Bromwich, saying, "Val, once we know they're all right, we just take the piss." And I can just hear you all <laughs> laughing at my expense, which was lovely. At least Val cared; no one else did. Um, and then at the game on Saturday, after the game. He was doing his interviews and Val came up to me and went, Joe, are you safe? Are you safe? And I was like, yes, I'm safe, Val. Thanks. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for your consideration. No one else is bothered. Luke Hatfield couldn't care less. Uh, <laughs> I was like, Luke Hatfield? Who's Luke Hatfield? I was like, the guy that never talks. He was like, oh, yeah, I got him. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> the guy that never talks. Um, yeah, so Val, genuinely lovely guy. He was concerned. He was, no, and I was concerned no one else for you. Was. I, I, I was concerned for a split second when you told me. No, you weren't. I was. I, I care about you. <laughs> I um, but when you told me, oh, it's fine, the bumpers just come, I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay I, can, I can take the piss from that one. Um, should we talk about some football? Oh, mate, yes, please. I love that. Ban the section over, brilliant. I had another idea, but I thought, hmm. It's, it's been going on. Is it going to lower? Is it going to knock down the banner section? I thought it was a good banner section, so so I'm going to avoid it. Ah, good. I think it's for the best. We don't need any more banter. It might come up later. Um, two games uh, to talk about: West Brom, Hull, West Brom, Middlesbrough. Two opponents that really did kind of frustrate one more than the other. Um, obviously, got the result against Hull, one nil. Uh, Hull very uh, unadventurous. Borough. A little bit more adventurous, and obviously got themselves a goal. Um, but it's been—it's more of the same from Albion, isn't it? Where they're labouring through games. Yeah, it is more. It is more of the same, and um, and I think look, I wasn't at the whole game, so I don't really want to talk about it in too much detail. I don't like talking about games I wasn't at, to be honest, because I, mm. I don't. I think it's very difficult, and I wasn't there at the end of the day, so I missed missed so much of it. You can't really comment with great authority really so if we just focus on on the whole one on the middles for one sorry mm. um yeah look i mean you can you can, you can almost it doesn't really matter that i wasn't at the whole game because obviously the pattern's been set numerous times this season i'd, I'd imagine hull was similar i mean like ishmael said after the whole game that he felt it was the best they've been in possession this season mm. um but look we've seen it all before haven't we we saw it against a peter bro we saw it at preston we saw it against millwall derby uh, did the Blues? We've seen it so many times, um, where teams just sit back and frustrate, and it is getting. And if we're being honest, it's getting very, very, very frustrating. I think like Ishmael, bless him, he is getting more frustrated by it. I think we're starting to see that in his post-match comments a little bit. Um, and look, it, it, it's a difficult one because you don't want to take it in isolation, mm. um, because obviously there is a pattern. But I do, I do, and I did say this on the video, I do think that, I personally think Middlesbrough were inspired um, by the fact that Neil Warnock told them at 10-3 to 3 it was going to be his last game in charge of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what summed it up for me was they got allowed Marcus Tavernier, who I think is a, I think is a really good player anyway. If, like, if Albion were in the market for a winger, they were looking to pick one of the best in the championship, I think Marcus Tavernier would be high up on that list. Um but defensively, he was absolutely outstanding. Mm. Um, the shift he put in was incredible. And I'm not saying this against him. Maybe Marcus Tavernier does do that week in, week out. I genuinely don't know. I can't say I, 
I pay massive attention to what's going on at Middlesbrough, but I just thought to a man they work so hard. Like I thought they worked extra hard. And I just felt they did that for Warnock, if I'm honest. I felt I mean, you cannot tell me Middlesbrough defended anywhere near like that when Hull put when when Luton, sorry, put three past them four mm-hmm. days earlier. Um I mean they different defended superbly. Um of course, different opposition loot, and I'd imagine they would have been a lot more expansive against them. So it's sort of a different setup. But I think Neil Warnock. I mean, obviously, I've I've spoken to sort of journalists that have covered Neil Warnock teams, and 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 they absolutely and and the journalists love him mm. um, for the way he handles like local media and stuff. And I think he's the type of guy that players would really love playing for. I know yeah, his, his man management will be really good, won't it? His man management will be exceptional, really. I know, like he's he's a pantomime villain, isn't he? Like, I mean, more so with Albion because of the Battle of Bramall Lane and stuff. But in football, he is sort of a pantomime villain. But I mean, he he embraces it. He loves it. Um, I think the players would have wanted to send him off on a high note, mm. um, and I think they gave absolutely everything for him. Um, I really, really do. And I think that ultimately probably led to Middlesbrough getting their point. It could have been three points um, with Sam Johnston making that brilliant save in stoppage time. Um, but I, I've got a feeling that if Warnock wasn't going, if he wasn't able to say what he said at 10-3, I've got a feeling Albion would have found a way to, to beat them, really. I don't think it would... Look, it wouldn't have changed the game drastically. It, I don't think it would have been Bristol City. I think it would have been more like Blues, more like QPR. I think it would have been a real struggle. Um, but I think they probably would have found the way through, whereas they were just against the Middlesbrough side who were just giving, at, giving absolutely everything. Yeah, that's fair. Um, the one thing that's... I, I mean, I've picked up on the last two games... Um, some fans have started to mention it. With games, you know, the way they're going, where teams are setting up to frustrate Albion, and, and it's, their, it's their prerogative. They can do, you know, they can set up however they like against Albion. A lot of teams are going to do that. You know, Albion have got have got one of the best squads on paper in, in the league, and the style of play, you're going to you're gonna set up to try and frustrate. Um, but is the, is the atmosphere almost working against Albion now at the Hawthorns? Because it's been two games where, for me, it's been... It's been a bit muted, a bit subdued. Yeah, I think it's been longer than two games, to be honest. I mean, the Blues game was... I don't know if it was the first game it was muted, but it was the first game I really noticed how muted it was, um, mm. based on the fact that it was a derby, and, and the only derby, really, of the season. Um, I was expecting it to be a lot more... I don't know, just, I, thought, I, was, I thought it'd be bouncing, really, and it, and it, and it wasn't, really, um, until... Until Albion scored, and Ishmael's actually made that point a couple of times this season. He he said that the atmosphere really changes at the Hawthorns with goals. With sort of once Albion are ahead, mm. that's why he's so keen on these early goals. I mean, Albion have scored early quite a lot of times this season, particularly early on, and he's noticed just the shift in mood in the crowd after they go ahead, and that's why he's so keen for them to score early so they get that boost of the crowd for as long as possible. Um, it has been flat. Look, I think I, I mean, we've got to talk about. It. I think if we just if we talk about the flat atmosphere first, and then also talk about the booing. If we move on to that, mm. but if we talk about the flat atmosphere, I think and the booing really, I suppose. But Ishmael was definitely. I think 
Ishmael was definitely taken aback by it at first. He yeah. was he was definitely surprised by it. Um, I mean, you have to remember last season he wasn't managing in front of crowds. So this is his first season managing England, English football in front of crowds. But the truth is, at Barnsley, the, the expectation was so different. Um, and I think playing however way, they'd have been delighted to finish fifth with crowds there anyway. So this is the first time he's managing England in front of crowds. It's the first time he's managing a club that... Well, a club full stop, really, where there is expectation. Because at Lask in Austria, they were very much the underdogs. Obviously, Barnsley were the underdogs mm. um, last season. So he was definitely taken aback by it. He was he was asked after the game on Saturday about sort of the booing, really, and... and and, and just a general sort of atmosphere at the Hawthorns. And, and he, you, you can tell he's sort of m- more understanding now of what's happen, happening. And he, and he did say it's up, it's up to the players, uh, up, up to him and his players, basically, to put in mm. a performance to lift the crowd. Um, he's, which was interesting. He's putting the onus back onto them. He's not, he's not really blaming the fans at all, really. He's very much saying um, it's up to the team to perform better. And once they do, then the crowd will sort of go with them. There's no doubt... There's no doubt Ishmael really wasn't happy with the Middlesbrough performance. Mm. Um, There's been times this season where I think people thought Albion haven't played that well and Ishmael has said that he he thought they had. But Albion didn't play well against Middlesbrough and Ishmael was very quick to say they didn't play well either. Um, And just like he was very honest at Stoke and very honest at Swansea as well. Um... He does. He does. He does. He, does, he has made it clear he's not been happy with some of the recent performances. Mm. And you, you talk about players, you know, having that responsibility to get fans, you know, off their seats. One man who did that against Hull. I know you weren't there, um, but I'm sure that a lot of the listeners who were there or watched the game will agree. Was was Taylor Gardner Hitman? Um, a couple of times he drove from deep. Uh, nice touches here and there, and he really got fans. You know, he he, he lifted the mood at times. Do you think it was harsh that he was he was dropped? And I can understand the reason why Ishmael did it because Furlong is obviously a much more experienced player. Um, he's not in the best form right now, but you know he's got that weapon in terms of a long throw, and he's a bit more experienced. And if 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 Gordon Hitman was to make a mistake, it, it might hurt him more than it would Furlong if he made the same mistake. But is there an argument there to say that that it was maybe a bit harsh on him? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's more, it's, it becomes more harsh after the harsh after the result, doesn't it? Like mm-hmm. I think, like you say, Darnell's not been in great. He's not been in great form really last last month or so. He started the season on fire, didn't he? He was yeah. he, he was absolutely brilliant, and he looked sort of like the perfect Ishmael right wing back, really, if you like. I mean, but let's be honest, the team started so well, and he was thriving in that. The long throws were such a weapon. Um. Yeah, I think, it, it, look, I mean, from what I've seen on Taylor Garland's, Hickman's performance and from what everyone's told me and what I've read, he was he was man in the match that day. I mean, Ishmael said he was man in the match that day. So, look, when you're man in the mm. match, it's very you're, you're very unlucky to lose your place. Um, but I think I, if Albion beat Middlesbrough, I don't think anyone's really talking about it. Um, and I've got to say, I think most people before the Middlesbrough game would have expected Furlong to come back in despite how well Gardner-Hinkman played. Furlong is having a good season. He is more experienced. He's very good in the air, and he has got that long throw. Um, so, obviously it was harsh on Taylor Gardner-Hinkman, 
and I'm sure he'll get much like a fair few more opportunities this season now. But yeah, I think look, Furlong is one of the first names on the team sheet, really. Yeah. You'll have, have to a yappy ignore. dog in the garden. It is next door's dog, and oh my god, it is the most annoying little dog you will ever hear. Yeah, we've had um, this before. We have had it before. Hopefully, hopefully they they let it back in inside soon. Um, in in terms of um, the team selection, were you surprised by by some of the decisions? Because I mean, we saw some big names um, dropped. We saw Shamir Jai go to the bench. Carl Bartley as well. Um, and we saw the likes of Cedric Kickbrook come in. Were you surprised by some of the, the, the selections? Yeah, I, mean, I was really, really surprised by Bartley's admission, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> obviously, didn't last long with Matt Clark getting injured pretty much, well, inside the first minute, really. Mm. Um, but I was really, I was really, so I, I was really surprised to see Bartley not play. Uh, in terms of, it's an interesting one. This I don't, you don't want to overthink it because Carl Bartley. I think Carl Bartley is a very, very good defender, and and, and he's a leader as well. <clears throat> um, so I was really, really surprised to see him left out. But maybe if it's hard because we don't know sort of perfect vowel ball. Yeah. But but maybe perfect vowel ball does have more centre backs who are more comfortable on the ball than Carl Bartley. Mm. Um, I don't think Carl Bartley's like dreadful on the ball by any stretch of the imagination. Like he brought, he can bring it out of defence and he can. He's like he's half he's half decent on the ball, um, but you'd probably say Kipra was is better on the ball. Although I, I, I mean, I think Bartley's a much 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 better defender. Yeah. Um. So. And and that's why Connor Townsend has got the nod in, in, at centre back as well. It's, you watch these games, and I, I want to make this point with the booing really, but we'll get we need to get onto the booing, but. Mm. We'll make it sort of touching on it now. Is when 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 I get frustrated, if I'm honest, that we're still playing three centre backs when teams are just camped in front of their 18 yard line. I think like this is the time to change it. We need we need you don't need three centre backs on the field when mm-hmm. basically teams are digging in for a point and they're showing absolutely no ambition to get out their own half. To me, that's when you you go four at the back and. You throw another body forward, and I think that's what the vast majority of managers would do in that situation. The, the, the caveat to that is by playing Connor Townsend and Cedric Kipper in the back three, you've obviously got in Kipper you've got a player who is very good at passing the ball into midfield, mm. and Townsend sort of does these surging runs, doesn't he? Where and he's an overlapping centre back. He like overlaps reach, so he still is able to get crosses into the box. So. <clears throat> it's like it's making the three four three a lot more attacking. Um, it's like it's you can see he's making the tweak. He's yeah. only tweaking what he's doing because he's sticking to three four three. But he is making it a lot more attacking with Kipra and Townsend there. That is a lot more offensive, and there's a lot more quality in terms yeah. of on the ball quality. On the pitch, and that should, in theory, lead to better chance creation. Um, and, and that's why Jai, I mean, that's why Jai's been. I mean, look, you look at that Swansea game. Look, I've been lost at Swansea, but 
Ajay was fantastic with his pace. Against the team that were going to attack more and show more attacking threat, I think Ajay's got to play because he covers ground so well. Um, he's a great ins- he's a great insurance policy, really. When you when you're playing a high line, um, so yeah, I get a bit frustrated by the fact that Ishmael won't change formation, but but you can see why he's gone Kipper and Townsend mm. if he's. Because it does that make that system more attacking. I just, I just, I'm not sure it's the right answer. Um, and that's, yeah, yeah. I mean, so many times, me and you have have, have discussed, um, you know, during games and, and after games and even before them, that that Albion is sometimes screaming for that for that man in the number ten, you know, linking the attack and and the yeah. midfield. But it's almost a moot point because we know we're not going to get it. Yeah. It, Here's a moot point. I said, I can remember, remember when Snodgrass played against Bristol City and he played so well that day and I was speaking to Steve Madeley in the press box, in the press room afterwards and I was like, it was genuinely nice to talk about his performance because it did, he did shift Albion's dynamics a little bit and, we, and under Ishmael, you can't talk about formations or, or systems or who could go really? Because you know what it's going to be. And look, it was still three four three against Bristol City. I'm not like, but I don't know. It, it made it feel. It was. It, it made the team different. Snodgrass made the team different, and it was nice to sort of talk about that really. Whereas Ishmael obviously is is adamant that three four three is the way to go, um, at, at all costs, um, and yeah, I don't know what else to say. But look, but I. We're on this journey with Ishmael and he believes hand on heart that by sticking to his principles and by playing this way, but he will win more games than he loses. He will, at the end of his Albion tenure, he will have more points on the board by sticking to what he believes week in, week out than by changing things every now and again. Um, and I think... As, I I don't I personally don't see it like I think he needs to mix things up and change things a little bit I've said before on this podcast that's based on that's based on sound football logic I think I've used the example of Gareth Southgate at the World Cup we got to the semi-finals Croatia completely did a job on us in that semi-final they completely worked out our system and Gareth Southgate said afterwards we need two formations like we we need two formations if we're going to progress we got we get two formations we get to the final of the next tournament so that's where I'm coming from 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 mixing it up formation wise um, but but I'm not the manager Ishmael is and he genuinely believes this is the best way to do things he's he's never going to change um, and we have to go with him don't we like he's he, and we have to go with him and, and hope he's right um, but I mean you got to admire it because he is so. <laughs> He has so much belief um, in this way to play, but yeah, it's it's incredible, really. You do. You have to kind of applaud him almost for his his, his desire to stick with the system. And let's talk about the booze, Joe, because it seems bizarre to mention. You know, Albion a third in the table, thirty-two points. They've only lost three times, which is is the same number as times that Fulham have lost. Um, Bournemouth have obviously lost their game now as well. They're they're six points off the top two, but 
it's almost it seems almost on a I mean a 45 minute basis that there are times when the Hawthorns and the supporters are, are not happy with 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 the, uh, the 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 show that they're they're being provided with from Albion. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> I think I, I think that's yeah. I, I don't know. There's, there's multiple sort of reasons why people think people are booing basically why fans are, are booed. And so I'm starting. I I think there's another reason why fans are booing. I've got my own opinion on it. I could be completely wrong. Feel free to message me, tweet me, tell me what you think about my opinion. I'm starting from. I don't think it's right to boo yet. 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 Well, not yet. Like, I don't, I don't think this team should be booed um, as things stand today. I think that the only time when you boo, really, is when things are going catastrophically wrong and um, basically the manager needs to go. Or you, people know when things have really come to a head. When I, I almost, I, For example, this season, Mick McCarthy at Cardiff. Yeah. The writing was on the wall. The time was up. It was he needed to go. Um, yeah, when when games are being <clears throat> lost in succession, you can understand it more. Um, yeah, you know, everyone knows that feeling when a manager's basically got one foot out the door, like, and, it, and it's just it needs it needs a job. And I think that if you need, I think maybe owners every now and again they need sort of they need to they need to know what fans feel and and they're not happy. And I think I think that's you're perfectly right to boo your team in that moment. When you're third in the table, um, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't really think it's the right time to boo. But that said, well, I don't, well, so when you're third in the table, I don't think it's the right time to boo. But that said, I can, un- I really can understand the frustration. I can understand, I really can understand the frustration. And I think that what we've got to say is, and what people have got to remember, and I think this is crucial, is. The vast majority of this is caused by the opposition. Okay, like the, Albion are being are, are playing horrible games of football, mm. and and by and large they're playing horrible games of football because the opposition just are not letting them do anything. Like it is, the like it's, the, everyone is playing with a low block. I mean, Ishmael, and this shows his frustration. I think said that Middlesbrough are playing a new formation, a six-two-two. Yeah, but it, I mean. I mean, he was telling the truth. It, like they, they genuinely did have a back six for for an awful lot of the game, um, and like Hull showed no ambition. So many teams are showing no ambition, and <clears throat> it it's it is just in general hard to break those teams down. Um, and I think that's the vast majority of Albion's problem isn't actually Albion. Like it's to do with the opposition. They're just making it so hard they're just making it so boring like let's mm. be honest like they're just they're setting up in such a way it's just so hard um to break them down <clears throat> i think fans are partly booing for that reason they're bored because they're just watching the same thing again and again and again they're watching a team sit deep low block 11 men behind the ball and they're watching albion labor to break them down you you use that word at the start of this podcast i think that's the right word. They, they they are labouring. They're just they're knocking on the door. They have a, but but the Bristol City game. The Bristol City game aside, when they created so many chances, other than that, they don't create a lot. Albion, they just do not create a lot. Um, there's no games where you, where you, where you're saying like the goalkeepers man the match or they 
they've, they've hit the post, they've hit the bar. It's just it's very very future. I mean that that <clears throat> the the Middlesbrough game on Saturday. So the stats I kept. I wrote in my match report and I said on the video and I stand by it. Middlesbrough scored with the only shot on target. Right in the first half, there's only one shot on target in the first half. And the, the, the actual stats said there was two. They were both from Middlesbrough, right? And the second mm. one was when there was a long ball over the top, and I think it was Duncan Watmore raced onto it, and he yeah. just, with like the... He got an... He like tickled the ball, and it went towards goal, and Sam Johnston... It was on target, but there was no pace to it, and but but and Sam Johnston just caught it. like it, And that, yeah. was, that was the only ever attempt on goal. Um, <clears throat> and that is like... Dreadful. It's dreadful to watch. Like it's just the the there were just no clear cut chances. There were just no clear cut chances created in that first half, bar the goal that Middlesbrough scored, and and that was could have been stopped two or three times by Albion, really. Um, so I think one of the reasons for the I think a big percentage for the booze is is actually not a lot. There's not a lot Albion can do about it. It a lot of it. A lot of the blame has to go to the opposition just for making these games so uneventful where the other side of the booing comes in is I personally think that fans know a lot more about football than they used to Mm -hmm. and look I I think you know what I mean sounds stupid but I think I think there's like computer games like are a big reason for that FIFA I think football managers a big reason for it like Fans have more tactical awareness than they used to have 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Yeah. And I think fans are booing because they're frustrated that Albion aren't changing things up. This is just my opinion. This is what... If I was in the crowd, if I was paying to go to these Albion games, I I would not be booing. I have to say that. Honestly, I would not be booing. But I would be throwing my arms in the air saying... We need to change things up. Like yeah. we need to change things up here. Like we, we are too. I think we're too predictable. Um, and I and I personally think, and I, I hate criticizing Ishmael because, like I said at the start of this podcast, he is a lovely guy. But I think that comes from the formation. I don't know who we're playing in ten games time, but whoever it is, they know we're playing three four three. Yeah. Um, and I just think. We, I personally think we need to give the opposition something else to think about, and I think I think this, and this is what I want people to message me about. I think fans feel the same. I think that's why I think they're frustrated at watching their side continue to make the same mistakes. If you want, they, I think they want to see them try something different to break these teams down. Um, that's my opinion of it. I think a lot of it rests with the opposition. I think a lot of it. Um, rest with the fact fans realise that we just need to do do something a little bit different. I don't I don't think it's necessarily an entitlement or but I think fans have got every right to be entitled this season. I think Albion really, really, really should finish top three or four. Mm. And, but if they finish third, two points behind Fulham or four points behind Fulham or whatever, then you can kind of, kind of accept it, but but they shouldn't be finishing miles behind them. They should Albion should be in the race for automatic promotion all season, and and at the moment it feels like Fulham and Bournemouth are starting to get away from them a bit. 
on top of you know the issues that we're seeing on the pitch in terms of that, do you reckon that the booings may be a culmination of other things as well? You know, you look at you know you look at the club, but in terms of the money spent, there's not been many much money spent in terms of transfer fees. Uh, there's an absentee owner. You've got a, a, a chief executive that you, you, we barely hear from. Um, do you reckon it's a combination of that as well? Yeah, yeah, I think that plays a part. I think the fans thing. I think the fans, in terms of tactics, I think it's an issue. I think like like Sam Allardyce. Sam Allardyce always used to say he hasn't got a football philosophy. He just goes into a club, looks at the players he's got at his disposal, and tries to get the best out of them. And and if we're being honest, I don't think Valor's done that. Like Valor's gone in with his his philosophy, and he's tried to impose it on the club. Now, hopefully, long term, that's the right thing to do. That's what Val believes. He believes that overall, that'll be what will get Albion more results. That'll be what will take them to the Premier League, and that is what will hopefully keep them there. But obviously, Sam Allardyce, and I'm no Sam Allardyce fan really, but that is what Sam. But Sam Allardyce would do it a different way, and I think most fans resonate with that. When I say that fans are more tactically astute these days, I think most fans would say, "Yeah, do you know what? That is what that is how you manage a team. You go in, you look at your best players, you look at what you've got at your disposal, and you find a way to get to basically fit those players into a system and to get the best out of them." Well, Val hasn't done that. That 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 is what I think in terms of the tactical thing. In terms of the other the other stuff, I think that does play a part. Um, Albany have got, yeah, there's there's no communication from the top, is there? No. I mean, there's absolutely no communication from the top. Absent owner, absent chairman. Um, it, and no one else to talk to us either. So we've got a CEO in Ken who won't talk to me. Like, at least Mark Jenkins would have spoken to me. Like, he, he would have. Like, we don't get anything from Ken. Ron Gourlay won't talk to me. Um, consultant to the board was at Chelsea apparently advising on transfers and other bits and bobs obviously Ken is very young does need some guidance there's no technical director mm. he's only a consultant like he's not a full time West Brom employee but I'd still love to talk to him but from what I gather won't talk to me Ian Pearce head of recruitment at Albion was head of recruitment when Luke Dowling was there won't talk to me um, obviously Ken the CEO the owner, the chairman, they're the biggest ones. Like I've just gone on Twitter today, like I'm just, just literally just scrolling through my feed and I've seen that Peter Risdale, I, mean, I think he's chairman of Preston, I don't know, I don't even <clears> know, but like he sat down with the media today um, to answer questions. You look at Walsall last night, they had a fan focus meeting where the owner, the technical director, they're all on stage and fans can just shout out questions whatever they want. Like that, that is how you run a football club. Like you, you, you've got to, you've got to be open and transparent. Fans deserve to know these things. Like it's not everything's just silent at Albion, mm. and it and it leads to it leads to mistrust and it leads to a lack of connection, um, and that is without doubt what's happening, um, and it's playing a part. Of course, it is. But that said. But that said, and I say this with the greatest respect, fans are fickle. Yeah. Um, and if you're winning every week and you're scoring goals and you're top of the league, often those questions, there's always people asking those questions about lie, about the ownership, about is Alvin going to be sold, blah, blah, blah. 
but those questions are so much quieter. Yeah, they're nowhere near as prevalent, are they? When you're winning every week. Everything is dictated to really by what's on the field. Um, and I just really, really hope, yeah, things improve really on the pitch. Because results are there, but performances do need to improve. I think Ishmael will be the first person to say that. And I genuinely really hope they do it for him. Because as I've said, he's a, he's a lovely guy. He's a really lovely guy with a really with like a strong philosophy that he really believes in. Um, but hasn't been yeah the last couple of yeah there's you you can understand why fans are, are really frustrated with some of the performances. Yeah, you can. Um, and likewise, hundred percent back in Val because you know all of us want to see this club back. You know, fighting for promotion. Well, they are fighting for promotion, but back in the Premier League. And that's um, the thing, like, just to say, like, we genuinely were rooting for Val. Like, I've said this to the club, like, we we are rooting for him. Don't get me wrong, like, I mean, you, you were there. I've asked him about formations. Like, I've asked him, do you, uh, like, do you think you're going to go 3 4 one 2 You're going to go 3 4 2 one You're going to just, like, you can keep your three and your four if you want. Like, that's fine. Like, But you're going to just mix it up a little bit in the forward positions. Yeah. You're going to do something a little bit different. Um, and he's not. And, like, and I, and this, and like, but like, I just want, I genuinely want him to succeed. Like, we do want him to succeed. Um, but he's got to kind of win us all round, really, hasn't he? Because we're all a bit sceptical of that. Like, we, I think most people would think you'd benefit from having two or three formations up your sleeve. Mm. Definitely. Um, and before we go on to questions, uh, it's funny because I was going to make this a mailbox episode and we spoke 40 minutes. Um, Last one, um, another serious injury. Um, this one uh, for Kean Bryan, um, another centre back um, ACL injury, serious one. Won't be ready until, won't be back fit until at least the start of next season. It's a massive blow for him, um, considering he was only. I mean, what was it? First Albion start was it? Um, and then he does. He does a. It looks like a really innocuous little injury, forced him off, and then it's the worst possible news. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a strange one for him. You get feelings about players. Um, I, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here, but you get feelings about players and you just think, is it going to happen for you at this club? And there's a bit of a feeling of, like that with Key and Brian in terms of... I said before on this podcast, I'm not sure Albion would sign them in hindsight again. I think Dar Roche got injured, Matt Clark got injured. And, Albion, uh, and Ishmael is intent on having a right a right footer on the right side of his back three, a left footer on the left side of his back three. Kean Bryan, good player, played in the Premier League, a left-footed centre-back. They're not that easy to find. Ishmael's spoken about that in the past. There's Left-footed centre-backs are, are a bit of a rarity. And obviously with those two injured, they sort of swooped in for Kean Bryan. And, but, it wasn't, but obviously with Ishmael's style of play, where he wants everyone to be so intense that... Every player he signs, really, is going to, have to take two or three weeks to get up to his demands. By that time, Matt Clark was back. Uh, and also, we sort of had the emergence of Connor Townsend. We had the emergence of teams sitting back and being really negative against Albion. So you can see why it benefits playing Connor Townsend there. And he just hasn't got any games, has he? He just hasn't, really hasn't featured at all. And then he has this injury now that's going to rule him out for the whole season. Um, it's like, he just... I mean, you do feel for him because, I mean, even though he started that game against Hull, his Albion career hadn't really got going. 
Um, and now it's not going to get going until next season at the, at the earliest. Um, so, I mean, I, I mean, I bet he's absolutely gutted. I mean, it is, it, it's, a, it's an absolute disaster for him. Yeah, it really is. Um, fingers crossed he does get, you know, he, he gets back nice and, and, and quick as possible. And, and obviously we see him kind of shine uh, for Albion uh, next season. Thinking of adoption? We have all the information you need at Adoption at Heart, your regional adoption agency for the Black Country. Adoption at Heart provides adoption services for the City of Wolverhampton Council, Walsall Council, Dudley Metropolitan Borough Council and Sandwell's Children's Trust and is encouraging those who are considering adoption to come forward and take the next step. The Black Country Agency is appealing for adopters who can give our children lots of individual time, understanding and ongoing support and are looking for re to recruit adopters from within a diverse section of the community irrespective of gender, sexual orientation, disability, race or faith. To start your adoption journey or to find out more, why not book onto the next virtual information event? Visit www.adoptionatheart.org.uk to see the next available dates and to book your place or call 01902 Let's go on to questions now, Joe. Uh, Leo Watkins with the first one. Are our attacking struggles really down to personnel or is it system for me a flat Front three with two centre mids leaves a big gap where number 10 would be in order to link up play. Something I've mentioned uh, I mentioned earlier in this episode, but we're not going to see that change, are we? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, it sounds odd, but like, I almost, it's like, it almost pains me how much I agree with that statement. Like, I'd, I like, I, I like, at the end of the day, I'm a, like, I'm a reporter, my job's to cover the club. Like, I, I just got to be professional with Al, but dude, I do want to say to him, like, just try, just, just try, try Callum Robinson in the ten. Maybe just try it. Like you're not, you're not abandoning your principles by going three four one two or three four two one. Or you still got three. You still got three at the back. You still got four in midfield. I mean, you could like, still say it's a three four three. You could still say it's a three drop. four three. It's still a three four three. You've still got a front three. You just got them in slightly different areas on the field. Like, um, yeah, but. But he doesn't. Like, he doesn't. He doesn't seem so. He just just isn't going to do it. And like we just have to trust him that he's right eventually. Like he like he's paid the big bucks. At the end of the day, Vilek Ishmael is the man who got Lask out of the Europa League group that went to the quarterfinals of the competition. I think that season got beat by Man United, which is absolutely no disgrace in that whatsoever he is the man that took Barnsley all the way mm. from the relegation zone to the championship playoffs last season um, he is the man who's got Albion third in the table as it stands like he he, he, is, he, he does know what he's doing um, but it comes back to the, my point about the booing I do think fans feel a lot of fans feel that there needs to be a bit more variety uh, but he's he's adamant this is the way to go, and and we have just got to hope he's right. And at the end of it, he's proved it really. Mm. Um, but I mean, Mateus Pereira was at the game yesterday on on Saturday. Yeah. And I tell you what, if we've gone three four one two with Pereira in the hole, I fancy our chances of winning a lot more. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. The, the, I mean, you say what you want about Mateus Pereira and the way he left the club, but. Could do with someone with visibility. Oh, he's top draw. 
He is. Uh, Brad WBA, uh, why do we not surround the keeper from corners anymore? West Ham showed its effectiveness versus Liverpool the other night. Um, I'd, it might just be me, but I'd, I think the set-piece delivery has been um, maybe slightly off-target in comparison to the start of the season. Yeah, I think I don't know. I mean, I've got to be honest, I, definitely, I haven't thought about it much. I haven't really thought about it at all other than the question, so I can't really talk about it in much detail, really. But, I mean, at the start of the season... I think a lot of it probably comes down to Alex Moe's corners. I mean, he was really putting them in areas on top of the keeper. And I've been worse surrounding the keeper. Mm. Um, I mean, you have to mix up... Yeah, you have to you have to mix up your set pieces. Like, you just... I mean, I've been have got some nice little routines that you can tell they work on in the training ground where they play it short to the front man on the floor and stuff. And they've got some clever little, like, set piece routines. But you can't put every corner in the same place. Um... I've got to say about that West Ham game, though. I wouldn't base too much on that. I mean, Alisson had an absolute shocker. Yeah, he wasn't great, was he? Um, I mean, he, he's. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's a world-class keeper, but he has a horror show once a year, doesn't he? He has one game a season where he has... Remember that one where he just couldn't kick the ball? Yeah. One game. Yeah. Uh, um, so, I think... I mean, if you put another Premier League keeper in, in that game... I don't think I don't think Liverpool would have conceded as many goals. I mean, of of course, Alisson's amazing, but I think he did have a real bad game. Yeah. Um, Connor Scholl, uh, will the number nine January search be scrapped in favour of defenders? Do you think they'll strengthen there? I mean, two serious, really serious injuries in the opposition. So, Ishmael was asked about that um, on Friday um, because, obviously, O'Shea's out for a long time and... Keane Bryan's out for a long time and also there's the potential that Shemi Ajay goes to the African Cup of Nations um, in January so he could potentially miss sort of like a month of football I think I think I'm right in saying but I'm not 100% sure I think he's been left out I don't think he's travelled this international break um, which isn't great for him really uh, but in terms of the African Cup of Nations but yeah it's possible that Ajay could go as well um Ishmael did say in the press conference on Friday that that is something they, they might have to consider um, bringing in another centre-back. If it was me, I'd bring one in on loan because they've got Key and Brian. Darroche will come back. Yeah, I don't know. So I've, I was always told for this season, basically, that at the start of this season, that the, the real exciting young players Albion have got Taylor Gardner Hickman and Caleb Taylor are sent the back in terms of this season. Um, obviously, those two weren't allowed to go out on loan, they were very much seen as part of the first team squad. The fact that Taylor Gardner Hickman came in and did so well against Hull, I'm very much, I'm very, I'm very much under the impression that Caleb Taylor is sort of just as highly rated. Um, and expected to do just as well when he comes in. So I don't know if I would, um, but maybe, maybe, maybe. But I think I don't think I don't think I really, really don't think it'd be at the expense of a striker. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. The priority won't be another centre back, particularly yeah. with Connor Townsend able to play in that position. Yeah, and we think O'Shea will come back this season. Mm. So. 
Yeah, I mean, if it was another injury, and and if a jike does go, he's only going to be gone a month. Like, it's, I wouldn't. I'm not desperate to see another centre back, to be honest. Yeah, um, you've still got Kipre, uh, Bartley, and Clark, and then if one of them goes down injured during that month, you've still got Caleb Taylor who could step in. And Townsend. And Townsend, of course, who can play on that left side. So it's not. I, I personally don't. I think I think striker is going to be the main one, and it wouldn't shock me if they just made one signing in January who is who happens to be a striker. Um, but equally, it wouldn't surprise me if they made more. But I think the striker is the main one. If you could say you can sign one player in one position January, I think they'd say it's a striker. Yeah, I agree. Um, Antonio G has Saturday confirmed that Callum Robinson can't play as number nine, especially in this formation. Also, do you believe this formation and style of football gets the best out of players available to foul? Um, yeah, I mean, I like I really, really like Callum Robinson. I think he's a really good player. Was really encouraged by his performance at Cardiff, where he played off the right, um, because I was a bit concerned that. His best foot was on the left, which is where I think Grady's best position is and obviously Carlin's best position. So I've been almost overly stocked in that area. Um, but I think he's equally effective on the right. I think he would be effective in the 10 role, but if that was to ever happen. But yeah, for me, he's not a number nine. It, it, it did start, he did start the season well there, it has to be said. Um Scored, I think he scored in the first three games, or he got three in his first four, or something like that. I can't remember. He was top um, scorer at one point, wasn't he? Um, but that was that was when um, Albion were able to play Valble, basically Valble, proper Valble, and now they can't. And I don't think I don't think it's working with him as a nine um, against teams that are going to sit deep. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I'd be more than happy to see him on the right or left. I think he's a brilliant player. Um, but but I don't think he's a nine. I say I don't think he's against a nine against teams with a low block. Mm. Um, so much so, if it was me, I'd probably play Matt Phillips there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to agree with you. Um, Suresh Chohan, why did we receive a lot less than expected for Nathan Ferguson and why are we as a club running into this into these financial snags, for example, Ferguson, Louis Barry, and it'll happen with Pereira too. Um, okay, so we can talk about this. I don't. I know we're running on, so I don't want to talk about it too long. But right, so the the, the 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 answers you want me to give you for the Nathan Ferguson, I can't give you, and but but that doesn't mean I'm not trying. So I, I need to do some real digging into Nathan Ferguson. Um, I want to speak to the EFL. Ideally, I'd like to speak to someone who was on the panel. From what I understand, and this, I, I don't really want this written anywhere because it is just an understanding at the stage, and I'm and I'm not confident enough to write it. Otherwise, I would. Um, it would be my story. But um, this is the type of things I'm looking into. From what I understand, it is going to be more than nine hundred thousand. Like a, I think I think a lot of it, but it might not be what with um, injury prone he is. But I think there might be a case of some of it's to do with like amount of games played. Um, appearances for Palace, sort of, if he was to go on and play for England. I think the I think at this moment in time, the big one is how many games is the lad actually going to play? Because, I mean, he hasn't kicked a ball for such a long time. He's had a terrible but, time, hasn't he? But from what I gather, but again, I really, really do need to confirm this, that, that 
that hopefully Albion will get more than 900,000 for Nathan Ferguson. Um, but I really need to do some digging um, into it. Um, which I'm hoping, which I will do this week, hopefully. Um, yeah, the, the other financial issues. So, everyone went crazy. Twitter's Twitter at the end of the day, and there's no, we always say this, but there's no middle ground on there, so everything is absolutely amazing, or everything is an absolute disaster. That feels like the reaction on Twitter most of the time. So, when it was come, uh, like emerged that Albion had received no money for Louis Barry, there was it was like an absolute catastrophe on Twitter. Then, when it emerged that they hadn't received any, they hadn't got all the money for Amadegazi, there was absolutely catastrophe on Twitter. I, I I was a bit surprised by the reaction to the Algarve. I keep saying Algarve. He plays for Villa, doesn't he? So Amadegazi. I mean, he's a good player, mate. He's, he's player. not, is he? He's a diver. But um. <laughs> oh yeah, that was. I mean, abysmal performance first half in Southampton. Um, I'm glad, uh, like, I'm not glad Villa has stuck Dean Smith because I absolutely love Dean Smith and I really didn't want him to lose his job. But um, at least now I don't have to like Villa in any way, shape, or form um, anymore. But no, no comment. The um, you, I looked at them initially and I was like, right, the the, the Louis Barry one is is like you know, ah, oh, like for starters, it's 130 grand. So let's not let's not pretend that this is going to make any difference to Albion long term. Yeah, big big money for me and you, but not not yeah, not it's in big terms money of for football. me and you. But let's be honest. If I told you, if I told everyone on this podcast that in January the only fee Albion are going to spend is one hundred thirty grand, and they're going to bring in one player, Twitter would go into meltdown, wouldn't it? Like yeah. one hundred thirty grand is absolutely nothing in football terms. Um, obviously, it's the principle. Obviously, it's the fact that he's. Ended up at Villa via Barcelona. That one, like at first, and I'm just talking, I'm rambling, but I was like, oh, well, look, they're, they're saying there's a FIFA rule that there's basically there wasn't a written offer made, that basically everything was verbal. And But Albion had the full support of the EFL when they, mm. went, when they went to that, through that thing. I think Barcelona are doing absolutely everything they can to not pay money to people um, based on the financial situation they're in. And initially, you sort of think, well, the FA and the EFL, if that had been an English club, if it hadn't been Barcelona, or if it probably, I don't, it obviously couldn't have been because of the compensation thing, but the FA and the EFL thoroughly sided with Albion. They were willing to go to that tribunal and say exactly what Alb, that Albion deserved, needed, had done the right thing, they needed this money. Mm. The fact that they then got Barcelona won, I mean, I think it... It beggars belief, really, but they did, and Albion 130 grand light. The Alagaz, the for God's sake, Amadagazi, um, again, with that situation, the club he is at, I mean, everyone in, you think everyone in Saudi is cash rich. I mean, they're paying him an absolute fortune. He was on 70 grand a week when he was at Albion, yeah. um, and they're paying him more. So, I mean, you think he's going to a club where they're going to have plenty of money, and it turns out they haven't. Like, I mean, I don't know what their version of the Champions League is, but basically, this they haven't been able to play in it. They've been kicked out of their European, no, obviously not European competition, but they've been kicked out of their version of the Champions League due to their financial troubles. So you look at it and you think again, well, <laughs> Louis Barry, having had the support of the FA and the EFL. 
but they lost. Amelagazi. I mean, the point we have to make of Amelagazi is it's it's, like, it's an instalment they've missed basically. It's not it's not that they've never paid any money for Amelagazi. It's just they've missed an instalment. So it's not like Albion have got nothing for him, but that they're, they're late with their payments. So and then, and then obviously they they haven't got any money. You think well, what actually can Albion do about that? But then it's the Nathan Ferguson thing, which, and then and then and then you start to think, well, hang on a minute, like, okay, you can look at you can look at each case in isolation and sort of see you can make a case for Albion maybe, but when it keeps happening, it just doesn't look great. Like it looks like the issue is Albion really, and almost like due diligence, like have they done their due diligence or FIFA say no with Louis Barry. They didn't. With Ahmed Aghazi, should they have done more to check that they could pay? Well, maybe they should have. And with Nathan Ferguson, Nathan Ferguson won. I, like, this is why I understand people want answers now and I understand people want me to... But you, the reason why you've got to give me time and is because... I, for the life of me, cannot understand how Palace were willing to pay four million or five million. I mean, they were they were they were literally willing to pay that amount of money. So the fact yeah. that the tribunals turn around and they're gone, you only have to pay nine hundred thousand, um, is beggar's belief, really. Yeah, so I mean, it's bizarre, isn't it? It's bizarre. So I mean, it, it, I don't get me wrong. I completely understand why people want answers today, but I just need I just need a bit of time on that one because it is. It's really odd. Mm. Really, really odd. Okay, uh, last question uh, comes from Ricky Lee Griffiths. Where do you see us in a year's time and will we still be under Ishmael's management? Um, I Personally, I see Albion in the Premier League via the playoffs under Valerian Ishmael. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my hope, yeah. That's my well, not my hope. My hope is we go up automatically. Um, but yeah, I think I, I don't know. I don't, where do you see him in a year's time? I, I, look, I, I've I've got I can't talk about it. like where do, where do I see them in a year's time? All I can talk about is what what I believe will happen. Mm. If you're sitting, it I've got absolutely no doubt. That Albion will not finish lower than fifth, so fourth, really. I've got, yeah. I've got no doubt in my mind. I really think we, I'd be amazed. To be honest, I'd be genuinely surprised if we finished fourth. I, I really don't think we'll finish lower than third. But, but, but anything can happen, and and teams can go on a surge. And you don't want to be like, we will finish in the playoffs. We will, sorry, we will finish in the top six, without a shadow of a doubt. I'd like to think. That we make a real, like, fist of it for automatic promotion. And it's a right battle almost till, like, the final day or the second to last day between us, Fulham and Bournemouth. Mm. But which two are going to get those... Which th- which two of the three are going to get those two places? I've said a million times, if we finish in the playoffs, I think our percentage chance of going up is 25%. Exactly 25%. Same as everyone else. Hmm. 
Um, because look, we'll probably be the best side in the playoffs because we we'll probably will have finished third if we're in the playoffs. And the advantage is that the semi-finals are over two legs, so that does benefit. That would benefit Albion because they would be the better team. But anything can happen, can't it? Anything can happen. Yeah, you only need to look at the playoffs four years ago. So it's basic maths. You've got a twenty-five percent chance of going up if you finish in the playoffs. So that's why I've always said I never see playoffs as a massive success. Really, it's weird. Like fans, every year you go, "Oh, where do you want to finish in the playoffs?" and you get to the playoffs and you go, oh, actually, you, you, you don't actually get anything, do you, for finishing here? You just get... I mean, you get a good day out of Wembley if you win it. Yeah, but what you actually get is a 75% chance of not going up. Yeah. Because, like, only one team goes up. So it's just like, it's great if you do win it, obviously, but the vast majority of teams that get to the playoffs don't go up. So, yeah, that's what... And that's all I can tell you. That's, I don't know... I really, really like to think we'll, we'll we'll challenge for top two all season. I do think Bournemouth will wobble. The stats, we said it on the podcast last week, the stats suggest they will. We said that last week and they lost the game. Mm. Um, I think Albion should compete for top two all season. Um, that should be the, the expectation. Um, and then, I can't, that's why I can't say where will, where will they be in a year's time because... Do I think there's a real chance they could finish in the playoffs? Yes. Do I genuinely believe if we're in the playoffs there's a 25% chance of going up? Yes. So I, so I can't really say where I think they'll be. Um, but I thoroughly expect them to challenge for automatic promotion. And I thoroughly expect them to be in with a chance of promotion either via the playoffs or automatically in the last at the end of the season I can't say any more than that really yeah we will see uh, right Joe that just about does us for this episode have you got anything that you'd like to add um, no I don't think so probably not doing one next week aren't we because you're off again uh, yeah I've got I've got a week of annual leave booked off another um, week of annual which, leave which will be a massive shock to all of our listeners if um, keeping a tally I would be very grateful if you sent it through I can confirm I've got, I mean I've got all my holiday days written down if you want a list mate Mary January. Wilson one of our favourite listeners she keeps a tally of how many players how many minutes they get and stuff who's starting games and stuff wow. maybe maybe she could just add Luke Hatfield to the bottom of it and count your annual day, annual leave days yeah maybe that would be very useful for your Express and Star employers <laughs> what are you trying to suggest <laughs> mate I don't have to suggest anything everyone's thinking exactly the same thing oh well um, yeah Mary get on it maybe we'll see maybe I'll be vindicated <laughs> maybe I will be vindicated um, right as always that does us uh, for today if you could uh, rate or review this podcast on your preferred podcast provider that would be brilliant if you would do, give us a five star review that would help us out a bunch um, but from me and from Joe it's a fond farewell for now Bye.